Welcome to Lesson 1 of How to Study the Bible, a special production of Lessons from Verse by Verse podcast. There are two key passages regarding Bible study in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, and Acts chapter 17, verse 11. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. This passage is very clear in its message. Bible study requires work, diligence, and carefulness. It is possible to handle the Bible inaccurately, and this can be disastrous, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14-16. Acts 17, verses 10-11 describes a group of diligent, careful Bible students who were approved in their work. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The Spirit of God commends these people by calling them noble-minded. This is equivalent to being approved to God in Paul's words to Timothy. But what made them worthy of such praise? Luke lists three noble qualities of the Bereans. First, they received the word with great eagerness. They had open hearts. Second, they were examining the scriptures. They had open Bibles. And third, they were doing this daily. They had open schedules. On the first three lessons of this study series, we will work on cultivating these same noble characteristics so that God will approve of our efforts in Bible study as well. An open heart. What is an open heart? In the Bible, the word heart is used essentially as a synonym for the mind, the understanding, and the conscience. With the heart one perceives, John 12:40, thinks, Matthew 9:4, reasons, Mark 2:6, and believes, Romans 10:10. 10, 10. The heart must be willing, Exodus 35:5, to do any of these things. One who is willing is open-hearted, or we might say open-minded. One who is not willing is hard-hearted or closed-minded. Thus, when we speak of having an open heart, we're talking about one's attitude toward knowledge, learning, and truth. At this point, we must ask the question, why do I think or believe the things I do? There are six common reasons for personal beliefs and understandings and opinions. Number one, repetition. If we hear that something is true hundreds or thousands of times, it is very likely that eventually we will believe it. Number two, indoctrination. If an authority who we highly admire or respect declares that something is true, it is very likely that we will believe it. 
Number three, generalization. If propositions are made in broad terms, for example, if we're told that no educated person believes in God, it's very likely that we will believe these propositions. The broader a statement is, the more difficult it is to challenge and certainly to disprove. Number four, culturalization. If our culture, that is, our family, our religious community, our society, accepts something as true, it is very likely that we will also accept that it is true. Number five, emotion. If a certain proposition elicits a strong emotional response, it will likely impact whether or not we believe it. And number six, decision. All human beings have the power to refuse or choose to believe or to think something if they wish, even without evidence or contrary to evidence. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11-12. through 12. The Bible there says it is possible to believe a lie, even knowingly and willfully so. Now, none of the aforementioned reasons for holding personal beliefs, understandings, or opinions is conducive to cultivating an open heart. An open heart comes from certain important but challenging self-realizations and dispositions. Number one, humility. We must recognize that neither we nor those we respect in this world know all things. We have been wrong before, we could be wrong now, and we all, regardless of our age or experience, have things to learn. A humble attitude will cause one to approach the Bible with eagerness, like the Bereans, desiring to learn and grow. Number two, certainty. Humility does not mean a cynical rejection of truth. In fact, one must acknowledge that truth exists and that it is contained in and communicated by the Word of God and that it can be learned and apprehended, even if only in portions at a time, in order to make any progress in a relationship with God and knowledge of Him. The Apostle Paul saw attaining the knowledge of the Son of God, Ephesians 4.13, as a long process, but also something that is a certainty in the future of God's people. The Bereans searched the Scriptures with the expectation that by their endeavors they would learn whether the things they had been taught were so. Number three, submission. Once we learn something new, we must be willing to accept it, and perhaps to obey it, and be transformed by it. All truth will change us if we approach it with an open heart. In John chapter 5, verses 39-40, through 40, Jesus rebuked a group of people who, while diligent Bible students, did not search the Scripture with an open heart. You searched the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. These people searched the Scriptures, just like the Bereans. They read and researched the Bible often, just like the Bereans. But their goal was simply to justify themselves— and this kept them from seeing 
the real meaning of the Bible. Life comes only through Jesus Christ. How we approach the Bible will determine what we take from it. Will our study be productive? Will God approve of our efforts? The first and most fundamental issue is preparing our hearts to receive truth and be transformed by it. What is truth? One of the most fundamental issues that must be settled in regard to our attitude toward Bible study is a healthy perspective on truth itself. Truth is a belief, statement, or story which accords with reality. That's the definition from Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. It might be illustrated, as suggested by the philosopher and apologist Paul Copen, with a socket wrench that fits onto or corresponds with a bolt. The socket wrench represents a belief, a statement, or a story, and the bolt represents reality. The belief in the Christian God necessitates a belief in truth. God is the creator of all things. God created the world, visible and invisible, in an orderly manner. By that orderliness, we discern what is reality, and truth is that which corresponds to reality. Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, John 8, 31-32. To be a Christian is to believe in truth and to pursue it in Jesus Christ. If you are unconvinced about the existence of God or of objective truth or the capacity of human languages to accurately communicate meaning, then you will need to study Christian philosophy and apologetics before you begin to seriously study the Bible. But these things are vital to approaching the Bible in the proper way and receiving from it what it has to offer. When we walk with the Lord, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way, sheds on our He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey.